0: Welcome to Fast Asleep. We are about to bring you part two of The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. Please check out part one now if you missed it. For those of us vehemently opposed to big game hunting, don't be frightened of this story. This story actually offers us some real satisfaction, ironically. No tigers, I promise, are killed during this tale. We mentioned in the last episode that there have been numerous adaptations of this to film. Yeah, even Gilligan's Island, if you can remember that old TV series, used it for one episode. But the very best adaptation, in our opinion, is the first movie made, in 1932, starring Joel McRae. It's really good, check it out. Are you ready for the ending? Tuck in and enjoy the most dangerous game. Oh, I refuse to believe that so modern and civilized a young man as you seem to harbor Romantic ideas about the value of human life. Surely your experiences in the war did not make me condone cold blooded murder, finished Rainsford stiffly. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter shook the general. How extraordinarily droll you are, he said. One does not expect nowadays to find a young man of the educated class, even in America, with such a naive, and if I may say so, mid-Victorian point of view. Why, it's like finding a snuff box, in a, a, a limousine. Ah, well, doubtless, you had Puritan ancestors. So many Americans appear to have had. I'll wager you'll forget your notions when you go hunting with me. You've a genuine new thrill in store for you, Mr. Rainsford. Thank you. I'm a hunter, not a murderer. Oh, dear me, said the general, quite unruffled. Again, that unpleasant word. Oh, But I think I can show you that your scruples are quite ill-founded. Yes, life is for the strong, to be lived by the strong, and if needs be taken by the strong. The weak of the world, why they were put here to give the strong pleasure. I am strong, why should I not use my gift? If I wish to hunt, why should I not? I hunt the scum of the earth sailors from tramp ships. A thoroughbred horse or hound is worth more than a score of them. They are men, said Rainsford, hotly. Precisely, said the general. That is why I use them. It gives me pleasure. They can reason after a fashion. So they are dangerous. But where? Where do you get them? The general's left eyelid fluttered down in a wink. This island is called Ship Trap, he answered. Sometimes uh, an angry god of the high seas sends them to me. Sometimes when Providence is not so kind. I help Providence a bit. Come to the window with me. Rainsford went to the window and looked out toward the sea. Watch out there, exclaimed the general, pointing into the night. Rainsford's eyes saw only blackness. And then, as the general pressed a button, far out to sea, Rainsford saw the Flash of lights? The general chuckled. They indicate a channel, he said, where there's none. Giant rocks with razor edges crouch like a sea monster with wide open jaws. They can crush a ship as easily as, as i crush this nut. He dropped a walnut on the hardwood floor and brought his heel, grinding down on it. Oh, yes, he said casually, as if in answer to a question. I have electricity. We try to be civilized here. Civilized, and you shoot down men? Oh, a trace of anger was in the general's black eyes. But it was there for only a second. And he said, in his most pleasant manner, dear me, What a righteous young man you are. I assure you, I do not do the thing you suggest. Now, that would be barbarous. I treat these visitors with every consideration. They get plenty of good food and exercise. They get into splendid physical condition. You shall see for yourself tomorrow. What do you mean? We'll visit my training school, smiled the general. It's in the cellar. I have about a dozen pupils down there now. They're from the Spanish bark, San Lucar. Oh, that had the bad luck to go on the rocks out there. A very inferior lot, I regret to say, poor specimens, and more accustomed to the deck than to the jungle. He raised his hand. And Ivan, who served as waiter, brought thick Turkish coffee. Rainsford, with an effort, held his tongue in check. It's a game, you see, pursued the general blandly. I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. I give him a supply of food and, oh, an excellent hunting knife. I give him three hours' start. I am to follow, armed only with a pistol of the smallest caliber and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins. If I find him, the general smiled, he loses. Suppose he refuses, refuses to be hunted. Oh, said the general. Oh, I give him his option, of course. He need not play that game if he doesn't wish to. If he does not wish to hunt, I turn him over to Ivan. Ivan once had the honor of serving as official nauter punisher, to the great white czar. And, well, He has his own ideas of sport invariably mr rainsford invariably they choose the hunt and if they win hmm," the smile on the general's face widened to date i have not lost he said and then he added hastily i don't wish you to think me a braggart mr rainsford Many of them afford only the most elemental sort of problem. Occasionally I strike a tartar, one of violent temper. One almost did win. I eventually had to use the dogs. The dogs? Oh, yes, this way, please. I'll show you. The general steered Rainsford to a window. The lights from the window sent a flickering illumination that made grotesque patterns on the courtyard below. And Rainsford could see, moving about a dozen or so huge black shapes, as they turned toward him, their eyes glittered greenly. A rather good lot, I think, observed the general. They are let out at seven every night if anyone should try to get into my house or out of it something extremely regrettable would occur to him and he hummed a snatch of the song from the follies berger and now said the general i want to show you my new collection of heads will you come with me to my library I hope, <clears throat> said Rainsford, that you will excuse me to-night, General Zaroff. I am. I am really not feeling well. Oh, indeed, the general inquired solicitously. Well, I suppose that's only natural after your long swim. You need a good, restful night's sleep. To-morrow you will feel like a new man, I'll wager. And then we'll hunt, eh? i mm, I've one rather promising prospect. Rainsford was hurrying from the room. Oh, sorry you can't go with me again tonight, called the general. I expect rather fair sport. Oh, a big, strong man. He looks resourceful. Well, good night, Mr. Rainsford. I hope you have a good night's rest. The bed was good, and the pajamas of the softest silk and he was tired in every fiber of his being, but nevertheless, Rainsford could not quiet his brain with the opiate of sleep. He lay, eyes wide open. Once he thought he heard stealthy steps in the corridor outside his room. He sought to throw open the door. It would not open. He went to the window and looked out. His room was high up in one of the towers. The lights of the chateau were out now, and it was dark and silent. (coughs) But there was a fragment of sallow moon, and by its wan light, he could see dimly the courtyard. There, weaving in and out in the pattern of shadow, were the black, noiseless forms Excuse me, the hounds that he heard, and they heard him at the window and looked up expectantly with their green eyes. Rainsford went back to bed and lay down by many methods he tried to put himself to sleep. he had to achieve a doze, and he finally did when just as morning began to come. He heard, far off in the jungle, the faint report of a pistol. General Zaroff did not appear until luncheon. He was dressed faultlessly in the tweeds of a country squire. He was solicitous about the state of Rainsford's health. As for me, sighed the general, I do not feel so well. "'I am worried, Mr. Rainsford. "'Last night, I detected traces of my old complaint.' "'To Rainsford's questioning glance, the general said, "'Ennui, boredom.' Mm. "'And then, taking a second helping of Crepe Suzette, "'the general explained, "'The hunting was not good last night.' The fellow lost his head. He made a straight trail that offered no problems at all. That's the trouble with these sailors. They have dull brains to begin with, and they do not know how to get about in the woods. They do excessively stupid and obvious things. It's most annoying. Will you have another glass of Chablis, Mr. Rainsford? General said Rainsford firmly. I wish to leave this island at once. Well, the general raised his thickets of eyebrows. He seemed hurt. But my dear fellow, the general protested, you've only just come. You've had no hunting. I wish to go today, said Rainsford. He saw the dead black eyes of the general on him. "'studying him. "'And then General Zaroff's face suddenly brightened. "'He filled Rainsford's glass with venerable Chablis "'from a dusty bottle. "'Tonight,' said the General. "'We will hunt, you and I.' "'Rainsford shook his head. "'No, General,' he said. "'I will not hunt.' "'The General shrugged his shoulders "'and delicately ate a hothouse grape. "'As you wish, my friend.' he said. The choice rests entirely with you. But I may not venture to suggest that you will find my idea of sport more diverting than Ivan's. He nodded toward the corner where the giant stood scowling, his thick arms crossed on his hog's head of a chest. You... You don't mean, cried Rainsford. Oh, my dear fellow, said the general. Have I not told you I always mean what I say about hunting? This is really an inspiration. I drink to a foeman worthy of my steel at last. The general raised his glass, but Rainsford sat staring at him. You will find this game worth playing, the general said enthusiastically. Your brain against mine. Your woodcraft against mine. Your strength and stamina (laughs) against mine. Outdoor chess. And the stake is not without value, eh? (laughs) And... If I win, began Rainsford huskily, I'll cheerfully acknowledge myself defeated if I do not find you by midnight of the third day, said the general. My sloop will place you on the mainland near a town. The general read what Rainsford was thinking. Oh, oh, you can trust me said the Cossack. I will give you my word as a gentleman and a sportsman. Of course, you, in turn, must agree to say nothing of your visit here. I will agree to nothing of the kind, said Rainsford. Oh, said the general. In that case, eh, but why discuss that now? Three days hence, we can discuss it over a bottle of Vieux, Cliois, Champagne the general sipped his wine. Then a businesslike air animated him. Ivan, he said, and then to Rainsford. Ivan will supply you with hunting clothes, food, a knife. I suggest you wear moccasins. They leave a poorer trail. I suggest, too, that you avoid the big swamp in the southeast corner of the island. We call it death swamp there is a quicksand there oh one foolish fellow tried it the deplorable part of it was that lazarus followed him oh you can imagine my feelings mr rainsford i loved the lazarus he was the finest hound in my pack well i must beg you to excuse me now i always take a siesta after lunch You'll hardly have time for a nap, I fear. You'll want to start, no doubt. I shall not follow till dusk. Hunting at night is so much more exciting than by day, don't you think? Au revoir, Mr. Rainsford, au revoir. General Zaroff, with a deep courtly bow, strolled from the room. From another door came Ivan. Under one arm he carried khaki hunting clothes, a haversack of food, a leather sheath containing a long bladed hunting knife. His right hand rested on a cocked revolver thrust in the crimson sash about his waist. Rainsford had fought his way through the bush for two hours. I must keep my nerve, I must keep my nerve he said through tight teeth. He had not been entirely clear-headed when the chateau gates snapped shut behind him. The whole idea at first was to put distance between himself and General Zaroff. And to this end, he had plunged along, spurred on by the sharp rowers of something, well, very like panic. And now he had got a grip on himself, had stopped, and was taking stock of himself. And the situation. He saw that straight flight was futile. Inevitably, it would bring him face to face with the sea. He was in a picture with a frame of water, and his operations clearly must take place within that frame. I'll give him a trail to follow muttered rainsford and he struck off from the rude path he had been following into the trackless wilderness he executed a series of intricate loops he doubled on his trail again and again recalling all the lore of the fox hunt and all the dodges of the fox night found him leg weary with hands and face lashed by the branches on a thickly wooded ridge He knew it would be insane to blunder on through the dark, even if he had the strength. His need for rest was imperative and he thought, I have played the fox, now I must play the cat of the fable. A big tree with a thick trunk and outspread branches was nearby and taking care not to leave the slightest mark, he climbed up into the crotch And stretching out on one of the broad limbs, after a fashion, he rested. Rest brought him new confidence and almost a feeling of security. Even so zealous a hunter as General Zaroff could not trace him there, he told himself. Only the devil himself could follow that complicated trail through the jungle after dark perhaps the general was a devil an apprehensive night crawled slowly by like a wounded snake and sleep did not visit Rainsford although the silence of a dead world was on the jungle toward morning when a dingy gray was varnishing the sky The cry of some startled bird focused Rainsford's attention in that direction. Something was coming through the bush, coming slowly, carefully, coming by the same winding way Rainsford had come. He flattened himself down on the limb and through a screen of leaves almost as thick as tapestry, he watched that which was approaching was a man. And it was General Zoroff. He made his way along with his eyes fixed in utmost concentration on the ground before him. He paused, almost beneath the tree. He dropped to his knees and studied the ground. Now Rainsford's impulse was to hurl himself down like a panther, but he saw that the general's right hand held something metallic, a small automatic pistol. The hunter shook his head several times as if he were puzzled, and then he straightened up and took from his case one of his black cigarettes. Its pungent, incense-like smoke floated up to Rainsford's nostrils. Rainsford held his breath. The general's eyes had left the ground and were traveling inch by inch up the tree. Rainsford froze there. Every muscle tensed for a spring. But the sharp eyes of the hunter stopped before they reached the limb where Rainsford lay. A smile spread over his brown face. Very deliberately he blew a smoke ring into the air and then he turned his back on the tree and walked carelessly away back along the trail he had come. The swish of the underbrush against his hunting boots grew fainter and fainter. The pent-up air burst hotly from Rainsford's lungs. His first thought made him feel sick and numb. Oh, the general could follow a trail through the woods at night. He could follow an extremely difficult trail. He must have uncanny powers. Only the merest chance had only by the merest chance had the Cossack failed to see his quarry. Rainsford's second thought was even more terrible. It sent a shudder of cold horror through his whole being. Why had the General smiled. Why had he turned back? Rainsford did not want to believe what his reason told him was true. But the truth was as evident as the sun that had by now pushed through the morning mists. The general was playing with him. The general was saving him for another day's sport. The Cossack? The Cossack was the cat, and he was the mouse. It was then that Rainsford knew the full meaning of terror. I will not lose my nerve. I will not. He slid down from the tree and struck off again into the woods. His face was set, and he forced the machinery of his mind to function. Three hundred yards from his hiding place, he stopped. Huh, where a huge dead tree leaned precariously, precariously, on a smaller living one. Throwing off his sack of food, Rainsford took his knife from its sheath and began to work with all his energy. The job was finished at last, and he threw himself down behind a fallen log a hundred feet away. He did not have long to wait. The cat was coming again to play with the mouse. Following the trail with the sureness of a bloodhound, came, General Zaroff. Nothing escaped those searching black eyes. No crushed blade of grass, no bent twig, no mark, no matter how faint, in the moss. So intent was the Cossack on his stocking that he was upon the thing Rainsford had made before he actually saw it. His foot touched the protruding bough that was the trigger. Even as he touched it, the general sensed his danger and leaped back with the agility of of an ape. But he was not quite quick enough. The dead tree, delicately adjusted to rest on the cut living one, crashed down and struck the general a glancing blow on the shoulder as it fell but for his alertness he might have been smashed beneath it he staggered but he did not fall nor did he drop his revolver he stood there rubbing his injured shoulder and Rainsford with fear again gripping his heart heard the general's mocking laugh ring through the jungle rainsford called the general if you are within sound of my voice as i suppose you are let me congratulate you not many men know how to make a malay man catcher luckily for me too i have hunted in Malacca. you are proving interesting mr rainsford "'I am going now to have my wound dressed. "'It's only a slight one, but I shall be back. "'I shall be back.' "'When the general, nursing his bruised shoulder, had gone, "'Rainsford took up his flight again, and it was flight now, "'a desperate, hopeless flight that carried him on for some hours. "'Dusk came, then darkness and still.' pressed on. The ground grew softer under his moccasins. The vegetation grew ranker, denser. Insects bit him savagely. And then, as he stepped forward, his foot sank into the ooze. He tried to wrench it back, but the muck sucked viciously at his foot, as if it were a giant leech. With a violent effort, he tore his feet loose. He knew where he was now, death swamp and its quicksand. His hands were tight closed as if his nerve were something tangible that someone in the darkness was trying to tear from his grip. The softness of the earth. The softness of the earth had given him an idea. He stepped back from the quicksand a dozen feet or so and well like some huge prehistoric beaver, he began to dig. Rainsford had dug himself in in France when a second's delay meant death. That had been a placid pastime compared to his digging now. The pit grew deeper, and when it was above his shoulders, he climbed out and from some hard saplings cut stakes. And sharpened them to a fine point. Now these stakes he planted in the bottom of the pit with the points mm -hmm, sticking up. With flying fingers he wove a rough carpet of weeds and branches and with this carpet he covered the mouth of the pit. Then Wet with sweat and aching with tiredness, he crouched behind the stump of a lightning-charred tree. He knew his pursuer was coming. He heard the padding sound of feet on the soft earth, and the night breeze brought him the perfume of the general's cigarette. It seemed to Rainsford that the general was coming with unusual swiftness. He was not feeling his way along foot by foot. Rainsford, crouching there, could not see the general, nor could he see the pit. Oh, he lived a year in a minute. Then he felt an impulse to cry aloud with joy, for he heard the sharp crackle of the breaking branches as the cover of the pit gave way. He heard the sharp scream of pain as the pointed stakes Found their mark he leaped up from his place of concealment oh and then he cowered back three feet from the pit a man was standing with an electric torch in his hand you've done well rainsford the voice of the general called your burmese tiger pit has claimed one of my best dogs again you score I think, Mr. Rainsford, I'll see what you can do against my whole pack. I'm going home for a rest now. (laughs) I want to thank you, though, for a most amusing evening. At daybreak, Rainsford, lying near the swamp, was awakened by a sound that made him know that he had new things to learn about fear it was a distant sound faint and wavering but he knew it it was the baying of a pack of hounds rainsford knew he could do one of two things he could stay where he was and wait that was suicide he could flee that was postponing the inevitable, and for a moment he stood there, thinking. An idea that held a wild chance came to him, and tightening his belt, he headed away from the swamp. The baying of the hounds drew nearer, and then still nearer, and nearer, ever nearer. On a ridge, Rainsford climbed a tree. Down a water course, not a quarter of a mile away he could see the bush moving straining his eyes he saw the lean figure of General Zaroff just ahead of him Rainsford made out another figure whose wide shoulders surged through the tall jungle weeds it was the giant Ivan and he seemed pulled forward by some unseen force Rainsford knew that Ivan must be holding the pack in leash. They would be on him any minute now. His mind worked frantically. He thought of a native trick he had learned in Uganda. He slid down the tree. He caught hold of a springy young sapling, and to it he fastened his hunting knife with the blade pointing down the trail. With a bit of wild grapevine he tied back the sapling, and then, well, he ran for his life. The hounds raised their voices as they hit the fresh scent. Rainsford knew now how an animal feels at bay. He had to stop to get his breath. The baying of the hounds stopped. They stopped abruptly, and Rainsford's heart stopped too. They must have reached the knife. He shinned excitedly up a tree and looked back. His pursuers had stopped. But the hope that was in Rainsford's brain when he climbed, died. For he saw in the shallow valley that General Zaroff was still on his feet. Oh, but Ivan was not. The knife driven by the recoil of the springing tree, had not wholly failed. Rainsford had hardly tumbled to the ground when the pack took up the cry again. Nerve, 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 he panted as he dashed along. A blue gap showed between the trees, dead ahead. Ever nearer drew those hounds. Rainsford forced himself on toward that gap. He reached it. It was the shore of the sea. Across a cove, he could see the gloomy gray stone of the chateau. Twenty feet below him. Twenty. The sea rumbled and hissed. Rainsford hesitated. He heard the hounds, and then he leaped far out into the sea. When the general and his pack reached the place by the sea, the Cossack stopped. For some minutes, he stood regarding the blue-green expanse of water. He shrugged his shoulders, and then he sat down, took a drink of brandy from a silver flask, lit a cigarette, and hummed a bit of Madame Butterfly. General Zaroff had an exceedingly good dinner in his great paneled dining hall that evening. With it, he had a bottle of Paul Rocher, another champagne, and half a bottle of Chamberton, more wine. Two slight annoyances kept him from perfect enjoyment. One was the thought that it would be difficult to replace Ivan. And the other was that, well, his quarry had escaped him. Of course, the American hadn't played the game, so thought the general as he tasted his after-dinner liqueur. In his library, he read to soothe himself from the works of Marcus Aurelius. At 10, he went up to his bedroom, He was deliciously tired, he said to himself, hmm, and then he locked himself in. There was a little moonlight, so before turning on his light, he went to the window and looked down at the courtyard. Ah, He could see the great hounds, and he called, better luck another time, to them, and then he switched on the light. A man who had been hiding in the curtains of the bed was standing there. Rainsford! screamed the general. Well, how in God's name did you get here? Swam, said Rainsford. I found it quicker than walking through the jungle. Oh, the general sucked in his breath and then. and then he smiled. Well, I congratulate you, he said. You have won the game. rainsford did not smile. Mm, I am still a beast at bay. And then he said in a low, hoarse voice, Get ready, General Zaroff. The general made one of his deepest bows. I see, he said. Well, splendid. One of us is to furnish a repast for the hounds, and the other will sleep in this very excellent bed. On guard, Rainsford. He had never slept in a better bed, Rainsford decided. Good night.